Welcome to the Mind Talks podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Our special guest is known for her significant weight loss journey. In 2014, after waking up to a health scare, she decided enough was enough and a change was needed. Since her remarkable transformation, she offers a wide range of services that include life coaching, nutrition and food, as well as weight loss. In 2019, she released her autobiography, Half the Size, but twice the life. In addition, she has a large following online as she continues to share her life story to inspire others. A warm welcome to Miss Carly J. How are you? I am good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for that warm introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> we try, we try, we try. So I really, really want to get into this. Um, as we were just saying offline, your story is absolutely remarkable. And it's definitely something that both of us have been looking forward to. Um, so I, I really want to just take it all the way back. So from the ages of five to ten, what was your relationship like with food and exercise? Um, do you know, the funny thing is I grew up in Australia and I grew up in quite an active lifestyle, um, always playing sports um, and also grew up in a foodie family. Um, so despite me being quite active, being quite, you know, a child that was always out playing or encouraged to play sports in the, in the school that I went to, I grew up in a family where my, my mum's English, my daddy's French, but I was born in Australia um, and they were in the food business. So I was always around foods. I was always encouraged to eat, you know, that old school mentality. You're not allowed to finish. You're not allowed to leave the table until you finish your plate. Um, there wasn't that, I think, teaching about relationship with food as a child. We were just told, eat breakfast, eat morning tea at school, eat lunch, eat your afternoon tea, you know, eat your snack eat your dinner, you go to bed kind of mentality. Um, so my relationship with sports and foods was almost like it wasn't taught why we do this or what is food for, build a good relationship with it. Um, I overate a lot um, in terms of like my story and how I got to be the size that I was. Um, I almost didn't have this threshold for feeling full or understanding what food was for. Um, it was just like eat, eat, eat everything in sight. Even though I was quite an active child, I was still an incredibly overweight and obese child compared to, I think, well, you know, the, I hate the word normal, but what was an average or normal size five to 10 year old child. And when it came to exercise and food, the bigger you got, did you still exercise as much or did it decrease? No, it actually probably increased. Um, <laughs> and this is the funny thing. Everyone, I think, assumes big people are lazy or, you know, fat children don't play games or they don't exercise. Um, I exercised quite a lot. In the, in the school I went to, we had to play a Saturday sport. We had to, you know, do PE. We had to, um, we had to partake in physical education. Um, I played softball, baseball, netball, rowing, tennis. Um, you know, I love swimming. Um, in Australia, it's very common to have a pool at home. It's, you know, it's something that I grew up, you know, as a luxury that didn't realize it was, you know, in Australia is very common thing. Um, so I was always active. We even had a dog. I was always going out walking. I was riding my bike, but I was an incredibly obese, overweight child. And there's, and, and the word fat doesn't offend me. I, I was fat. I was an obese child. There's no other way of putting it. Um, 
so I loved sports. I loved exercise, but I, yeah, I was, I was very overweight. What were your favorite sports? Um, definitely anything to do with water sports. Like I loved swimming. I loved going to the beach. I loved being in the pool. Um, even things like horse riding and stuff I did as a child. There was nothing that scared me. Um, I went, you know, we often had to go on like school adventure camps and things like that, where they'd force you to like, in Australia, obviously it's a, it's a crazy place. We had to go like kayaking or they'd force you to go rock climbing. <laughs> so it's, it's not, it's not like the normal kind of sports. We were, we were active no. kids. Um, wow. I loved anything. Like I loved netball. I love basketball. Um, car, like even car sports were big to us as a child. Like I love car racing. Um, mm. so it's almost like I was more active than probably even what you consider a healthy child. Um, mm. so for me being overweight and being a beast doesn't always correlate. Just, you can be an active person. You can still be overweight and a beast. It does come down to, I think your lifestyle, what you're eating, your relationship with food and also your mentality. Um, around around weight and health everyone assumes that if you're big or overweight that you're lazy or unhealthy um but for mm. me the two topics don't always correlate you can be fit and be overweight you can be underweight and not fit so um it's it's just a big stereotype thing i think in the fitness industry today okay so you mentioned your, your parents in food and how it was literally you don't leave a plate yeah <laughs> <laughs> um with food on it um, how were they, as, as you um, put on weight, how were they? Were they quite the same or did they say anything about it? Um, my family is quite big. Well, majority of my family that I was around in Australia, we have a, had a lot of distant relatives overseas as well. And I think, um, I think particularly my d- dad's side of the family was quite big. My mum used to always sort of make a point of saying <laughs> like, oh, it's hereditary. You're big boned. You take after that side of your family. Um, they did. They were conscious to say things. Uh, my family's very direct. Australians say it how it are, how it is. We we don't sugarcoat anything. Um, so I got repeatedly told that I was fat, and it it I don't. I think this is probably why the word doesn't offend me to this day. I I don't mm-hmm. see it as an offensive word. Like someone could say it to my face, and I'd be like, yeah, and what? Like, <laughs> so I had quite a strong mindset around being a bigger child because it didn't bother me. I still okay. lived life. I still played all those sports. Um, but my family, I think, um, I think they sort of, I guess as a child went between the ages of zero to five or zero to 10, a lot of what your habits are, they do come from your family. So your family does sort of nurture these bad traits that we can pick up and then they go into your teenage and adult years. So my family were the ones feeding me and they were feeding me adult size portions. So Yes, they would make comments or, or think, oh, you need to see a dietitian or, or you need to lose weight. You're getting really big. But then they were also um, causing part of the problem. You know, we would, my, my dad being French, you know, he'd be eating croissants and pastries and biscuits for breakfast. Um, and then, and that's what I saw as a child or the portions we were eating were so huge they were probably what an adult sized man should eat and being told to finish your plate. Um, there's a chapter in my book where I talk about this. Um, and my parents probably wouldn't like this chapter, but I, I had to address it that the relationship we build with food does come from our parents and their teachings. Because when you're a child, they are in control of what you eat, what they feed you, what they teach you about foods. Um, So even though they were probably thinking, oh, she needs to lose weight, she's, you know, she's getting really big for her age, 
Um, I was in adult size closes as a 10-year-old girl. But then again, what were they doing to help it? Yes, I was playing sports and things like that, but it's the teachings, I believe, of food and nutrition at home and having a healthy relationship with food and teaching children why we eat what we eat is very, very more important than activity and exercise. You can exercise all you want, but if you're eating, you can't out-exercise a good diet or a bad diet kind of thing. Yeah. What was um, what was it like for you in terms of social interaction? Because, you know, children can be, you know, quite critical. Mm -hmm. So in the early stages for you, when you, you know, you were um, getting bigger, um, was it OK? Were you getting called names or like how 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 was it for you? Um, as I said, I was, I was quite a confident um, girl. I was very direct. Uh, I stood up for myself quite well um, in the primary school in Australia, like I think between the ages of sort of five to 12, um, girls can be quite nasty. Children can be quite nasty. And I think again, 20, 30 years ago, how we see the health industry has changed, calling kids fat at school or stuff like that. That was sort of like, it, that was part of life. I think it never really got to me. And I think maybe this could also be why the, why I was big for so long, because I was almost confident with it. I owned it. I was like, if a, if a child said to me, oh, you're fat, or they called me names as a child, I probably would have bullied them back. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I stood up for myself. Um, in high school, like the ages of 12 to 18, I was actually quite popular. Like, not, in a, not saying this in an egotistical way, but I had yeah. a lot of friends. I was really popular in high school. I had boyfriends. Um, I had a boyfriend from, like, the, from the ages of, like, 18 till I was 28. Um, I, I've almost been single since I lost the weight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. Um, but like as a, as a child, I was quite confident. Yes, there was nasty kids. Yes, there was people that said stuff. Probably they said a lot more behind my back than to my face because I yeah. stood up for myself. So I was like, I don't think these kids wanted to mess with me in a way, but they probably mm. said really nasty things behind my back, but it didn't bother me. Um, I learned to be quite independent young. Um, I learned to fend for myself. I learned to almost love who I was. And as I said, I think this kind of did hinder me actually getting healthy because I loved who I was, whether I was, you know, at, at a, in an adult size clothing at, as a 10 year old girl, I embraced me. I embraced my size. I embraced my life because even though I said at home, my parents probably didn't do me the best of favors with some things. They also did teach me, well, that's how you are. You know, you're big boned. It's hereditary love my mom used to always say to me big is beautiful so I think in a way I was like okay you know that's cool I'm big this is this yeah. is how I am this is how I always just thought that's how I'd be my entire life um so because that sort of that mentality was taught to me I embraced it I was like well I'm gonna go live my life let me let me live <laughs> so in in a way there's good there's pros and cons I think to the mentality I had growing up as a child but I do think it has helped me as an adult yeah, I think that kind of links to why what is said at home is quite important, even though in terms of the nutrition side of things, things were not perfect there. But the, the positive thoughts that they were saying to, to you, it obviously built your confidence and allowed you to be like stronger in the in the world, basically. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think so. Like, I think obviously some things they were, you know, if they were saying I was fat or, you know, oh, you're getting really big, Carly or whatever. They obviously didn't do a lot about it, but I became mm. quite, what I say, tough skinned or thick skinned, we say in Australia. 
Um, you could say anything to me to this day, and I, I'm a true believer in you're only offended by what you let offend you. You know, what you let in to your mentality, your mindset, your life, um, you, you control those emotions. So I think as a child, I grew that skill very, very early on. Um, you know, as five, six, seven years old, I was having to fend or defend for myself. Um, so if anything, there is good things that came out of it. But, you know, there's a lot I could have done as a child or my family or parents could have done as well. So in the introduction, I spoke about, you know, in 2014, this this scare that you had. But prior to that, was there anything maybe when you was playing sports that really got you thinking maybe you was, I don't know, running for something or maybe you just got out of breath? Was there any was there any particular time in a sport where you thought to yourself, do you know what? Maybe if I had a little bit, you know, less weight. I'm really trying to be diplomatic because it's, we're so PC in this. Oh, don't world. worry. Just, every, everyone, you've, you've got the girl on here that says fat, fat so freely. Um, don't worry about PC with me. Like, like I said to you, someone could walk up to my face and say, "Carly, you're fat," and I would say, "Yeah." And what? So don't don't worry about PC with me. I'm probably the most un-PC person in the world. <laughs> um, but I get what you mean. I get yeah. what you mean with this. So. There was plenty of things, um, yeah. you know, at school, I used to hide in the toilets at athletics carnivals because I didn't want to run. Yeah. Swimming carnivals, I didn't mind. I really liked swimming and I didn't mind getting in a bathing suit as yeah. a chubby child. But yeah. running, I hated running. Um, I've learned to love it to this day. Um, but I used to avoid things where I knew I was going to be slow or some, you know, you know, the kid that always came last in a race. Yeah, yeah. that was me. Yeah. So I would be like, you didn't want to be that kid. Or so I would always avoid like hiding in the toilets or something like that to avoid the race. Um, there was other things like I mentioned about the school camps and going rock climbing, the fear yeah. would, the, would the harness hold my weight? Would okay. I fit in the harness? Yeah. Um, horse riding. Could the horse hold my weight? Like, mm -hmm. so there was always subconscious thoughts. Um, you know, as a child that you think about these things. Um, but as I got older, even things, maybe not so much with sports, but like plane seats, would I have to buy two plane tickets with the seat belt fit around me? Um, so little things did start to tickle like in the back of my mind or subconscious thoughts, or even when like I used to growing up in my late teens and my early twenties, I was a massive partier. Um, I smoked a lot. I drank a lot. I, went out went crazy kind of thing so even like when I used to walk upstairs I'd feel out of breath um and that was sort of the subconscious thoughts like oh do something about your health or oh you're unhealthy or oh maybe something's wrong with you yeah. like all these little things used to start happening um and then I had like a couple of significant subconscious um things happen towards in in 2013 where I was like, Carly, you need to do something. But it wasn't until that sort of big health scare in 2014 that made me do something. So, so once you got that health scare, did it like straight away click that, oh, you know what, I need to actually fix up and get healthy, otherwise it can have an impact? Yeah, so as I said, I had a couple of subconscious things happen, like when I was on holiday, yeah. like weighing myself or... Um, for my 28th birthday, I flew to Dubai and all I ever wanted to do was skydive. Mm. And they told me I was too big. And I was like, what? I do everything I want in my life. Mm. What do you mean I'm too big? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like there were these little things that started to happen when my weight was stopping me from doing things. Okay. And then, but I still did nothing about it. Like I'd come back from holiday and just go back into routine. 
But in 2014, that was like the last day of February, first day of March, something like around then. And I woke up that morning and I felt paralyzed. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, Carly, what's going on? Like, you know, when you wake up, you're sort of a bit disorientated. Yeah. I couldn't feel the right side of my body. I had pins and needles running down the entire side. So me being a bit overreactive, I thought I was paralyzed. Wow. <laughs> as, as I came to it, yeah. I realized I wasn't paralyzed. It was more like, you know, when you get a dead arm at yeah. night, when you sleep on your yeah. arm, I had like a dead side of my body. Wow. I had, I had pins and needles running down the side of my body from my sheer mass of a trapped nerve. So from sleeping on my side all yeah. night, I literally had numbness and it was that moment that I like I sort of like swore to myself I was like Carly get the f out of bed and move (laughs) (laughs) I was like move your body and that was that was my trigger to get healthy I still didn't believe I could lose weight because my entire life I'd been told you're it's big bones or it's hereditary you know that's how you'll always be but my first thought was oh my god compared to the amount of sports you did as a child all the active lifestyle you had in Australia, going walking, going to the beach, you don't have that anymore in the UK. Because I'd, I'd gone backpacking the world, traveling country to country okay. and got to the UK in 2010. Um, and I became significantly even bigger in the UK. The change of lifestyle, the atmosphere here, the foods, everything's different. So at that point in 2014, I'd reached 127 kilos, which is 280 pounds. Um, and I'm short as hell. So, you know, I was, I was wider than I was tall. Like, <laughs> um, but that health scare that morning, it was like, wow, you don't move your body anymore. Your poor cardiovascular system, all your, your limbs, your lungs, your heart, your knees, everything is calling out for you to help it. Um, so like you said, literally that day I got up, I jumped out of bed and I swore to myself, I was going to move my body. That was it. I said, Carly, get up and move. Um, and I went to work as normal that day, but I actually like almost looked forward to coming home because I had this old exercise bike mm. at home. And I vowed to myself I was just going to do a little bit of cardio just to get my, my system going, get my limbs yeah. moving. And that was day one yeah. for me. That, that trigger and that day, um, I've never looked back. Like I still significantly remember that day. I still have that exercise bike that I came home, I used. Um, I did 15 minutes that night and I felt good. I felt like I'd made a significant change. In the early stages, so in another interview, um, you spoke about the importance of habits. And for me, I'm a massive advocate for habits. Everyone knows I always plug this book. If you haven't (laughs) got the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, please get that book. So for you, um, Carly, can you talk about the, the early habits um, for yourself. So what habits did you put in place? Um, so for me, I first had to address all the habits I already had. And I'm a big believer in looking at yourself, looking at your good traits, looking at your bad traits. Self-analysis and self-evaluation is a very, very big tool that we don't use enough. We're very good at critiquing other people, but critiquing ourselves, no one really likes to do. Yeah. They see it as a bad thing, which I think you need to flip that mindset see self-analysis is a good thing so I had to look and address all the habits I had learned over the 28 years of my life and almost undo every single thing my family had every taught every everything I did without even thinking toxic and good like anything in my life I almost had to go Carly you are starting fresh this is the first day of your life um 
so I had to look at what I was doing wrong in my life. What was I eating? What was I drinking? What was my day structure like? What was I prioritizing? What was I not prioritizing? What were the simple changes I could make to my habits to start instilling good things in my life? Um, so I looked at mainly, I started with the foods and my day structure. Where could I get more active? Where could I insert more exercise into my yep. life? Um, where was the bad habits coming from that was making me eat so much? Not just the physical, yes, I'm eating too much, but why was I doing it? You know, you know, like these little habits people might have, like mine was always like I used to eat in the car <laughs> or if you stop at a service station, you buy food because yeah. like calories don't count. A hundred percent. Or, you know, when you go on a plane, you buy stuff at the airport. You <laughs> yeah. Would you have that if you were at home? So it's all these little things we've picked up over the years. Or, or do you have this thing like at work on a lunch break at three o'clock, you go and get a chocolate bar or do you and your friend go and get a snack at 10 a.m.? Um, so it's looking at all these habits we have that we don't even realize we do. Um, and that's your subconscious mindset. That is you literally doing stuff out of just like doing it with your eyes closed, like we've become robots. Um, so I had to undo all of that, but replace them with good traits. So if it was eating two or three desserts at night, why did I need that? What could I do to replace that? Was I, was I doing it because I actually wanted it? So it was, it was literally having to work with myself, question everything I was doing and create a new lifestyle and new habits for myself. Um, and that was things like not buying foods I didn't need, addressing why I was eating foods at certain times of the day, um, you know, taking out beverages that were taking up calories, um, putting in a new routine or a new habit of walking more or getting active in the morning before work or could I walk to work that day? So it seems like really simple and obvious changes. Um, but I always say the concept of losing weight, changing your mindset, getting healthy seems very easy. But if it was all that easy, the whole world would be slim or healthy or the whatever people think is a normal size these days. Um, so the actual concept of creating habits seems easy, but your body training your body to do it you really do have to work with yourself. You have to work with your emotions, your hormones, your lifestyle. Um, it's almost like you have to pre-program yourself completely. Um, and I believe this works for any type yeah. of habit in life, not just to do with sports and athletes and training yeah. or any goal. It could be you're going for a new goal financially or a new job or a new car. Whatever it is, you have to work for it. You have to train. You have to study. You have to put yourself on course. Um, just like an athlete does if they're training for, you know, the Olympics or whatever it might be, you have to make a plan for yourself. Um, and so that's sort of what I did with my habits. And I set out a new lifestyle for myself, a new, a new plan to get healthy and to get active. And then with that came the weight loss okay. as well. So the weight loss was never okay. part of my plan. It kind, of, it kind of shows you if you focus on one thing, it can kind of lead to, to everything else. Um, yeah. It, and in terms exactly. of your, your relationship with, well, with, with habits and people, did anyone like impact your habits? So let's say if you have friends who, let's say, let's go out and drink, let's go out and do all of that stuff. How difficult was it for you to step away from those circumstances or kind of adapt in those circumstances? Um, if I was in Australia still when I did this goal, I think it would have been very different. 
um, my, <laughs> my lifestyle in Australia, and I talk very openly in my book about drugs, alcohol, partying. I was yeah. a party girl. I was out till five in the morning. Um, I had a crazy life in Australia. It's like I'm a completely mm. different person. But here in the UK, I truly believe when you want something for yourself, you make that your priority. If you were to do my goal, say, say, I, say I wanted to lose weight for a man or for my family or for, a ch- or for children or something, I may have not been as dedicated and stuck to my goal. But when you make a choice to do something for yourself that matters, I, I, stuck, I, I gave up smoking overnight. I almost gave up drinking overnight. It's like mm. these things just didn't matter to me anymore. Mm. Um, as far as friends went, I worked in a very sociable environment where we used to go to the pub almost every day after work. And I stopped doing that. And people started saying, oh, you don't do this with us anymore. Or, oh, you're boring. But it doesn't actually bother me because I had decided to do something for myself and my life. And I find when, when we want something bad enough, nothing else matters. Um, but I think I then pulled on a lot of my traits from my childhood of being a mm. strong, independent person standing up for myself. But yeah. I didn't mind losing those people because I thought if you were my friends, you would be true to me. You'd stick by me. And, and the, the good friends in my life are still around. They've watched my full transition of losing yeah. 140 pounds. Mm. Um, and a lot of people that didn't stick by me have sent me messages. Oh, wow. You know, look at you now. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm. yeah, hey. Um, but but like so my thing is it it does take a lot of strength because a lot of people I I think for myself I have a lot of self-willpower and self-motivation some people don't they are easily influenced you need to decide what matters to you and you need to you need to decide who's living your life um because at the end of the day your friends aren't going to be there if you're in hospital with diabetes or with having a heart attack or something they might be there to support you but they're not living that So you need to take care of number one. You have one body, one life. This is not a dress rehearsal. We are not coming back. We are not doing it again. So you need to decide what matters in your life. Is that going to the pub drinking or that lifestyle? Is that helping your goal or is that hindering your goal? Yeah. And you need to decide what's more important for you. And I'm a big believer in getting rid of anything that's toxic in your life. And that can include family. Um, and you need to make sure what is around you is supporting you, is helping you, and is not hindering your goals. And a lot of time people or lifestyle that hinders you, it's because they don't believe they could do it themselves. And they don't like seeing someone grow or develop or get better because they're going to stay stationary. Yeah, It's often the people that want to be ambitious or want to grow themselves will encourage you because they see belief in that. And they think, oh, she can do it. I can do it. Um, so I'm always big on saying, keep your circle small, keep the people around that matter, but be conscious of the people around you. Um, are they helping or are they hindering? And, and you need to decide what matters more to you. Is it your goal or is it their goals? Um, and, and where do you want to be in 30 years time or 40 years time? Okay. So for me personally, the two biggest problems that we have in society are firstly distraction. So for example, the external stimuli i.e. your mobile phone, social media, etc. And second is food addictions. Um, my question to you, how, what advice would you give to an individual that does not have a similar mindset to you and in fact have, has a complete opposite mindset to you? Um, and how would you go through the, what advice would you give them to overcome any food addictions? 
So it's really funny that you talk about this because I say the same thing. I say food and food or sugar is two of the worst addictions in the world. Um, and I, I actually talk about this in my book. Um, so when I, yeah. when I work with a lot of the clients I work with today as a health coach, I do have a lot of people that come to me because they don't have my mindset and they're like, help me, how do I get that? Um, and I try to explain to them a lot about the makeup of the body and why we are the way we are. Why do some people have a greater addiction to something than others? When you often explain to someone why they make a decision and they go, oh my God, now I get it. It often helps them to understand their actions. So um, I think education is a key part in helping people with food addictions. When people understand why they do something, it starts to make sense and they can be more conscious of it when they do it. Um, so any, to anyone that has got a food addiction and doesn't have my mindset, they need to do a lot of that self-analysis and self-evaluation that I talked about. Um, they need to address why they have these things. And I often get people to do food journals of writing down every bit during the day of when they eat, how are they feeling? What made them eat at that time? Did something trigger that emotion? Because like I said, a lot of the time we're on autopilot. We do these habits without thinking. We eat, eat, eat. Why? Why did you just do that? So for someone who doesn't have my mindset, I truly believe they need to work with themselves. They need to address why they're doing yeah. things. Um, and, I would, and when I say research and understand the body, there is a hormone we all have called dopamine, the reward hormone. And this triggers mm-hmm. every kind of addiction, whether it be social media addiction, sex addiction, alcohol, smoking, drugs, heroin, you know, whatever it is, dopamine remembers the good feeling. So when, when a woman or man is having a bad day, they're stressed and they're going to have an emotional binge eat and they go and eat a whole pack of, you know, chocolate biscuits, your dopamine is going, oh my God, yum, yum, yum. I love this flavor. I love this. And dopamine shuts off. Mm. Dopamine does not remember Mm. the guilt afterwards. Dopamine does not mean how bad you feel, how much you want to binge, how much you hate yourself that you swear you'll never do it again. Like those people that go out, you know, alcoholics that go and drink and swear they'll never do it again. Dopamine does not remember that. Dopamine remembers the good feeling. So next time you're stressed, dopamine goes, I want that fix. I want that. So when you start to understand things like the makeup of the body and the hormones and what triggers us, next time it happens, you can actually start to train your dopamine. You can actually start to work with your body. So these people that don't have maybe as much willpower as me or don't think they can do it, it does come down to your mindset. You have to work with your mindset. You have to train it and you have to figure yourself out. And people don't understand how much I mean that your mindset controls everything. And once you start to understand why you do things, you can retrain your body. You can re-evaluate. And when you start to go for that thing, you can be like, no, that's my dopamine wanting it, not me. And you can actually train your dopamine to crave good things in life and to combat that food addiction or that social media addiction or those cigarettes or whatever it is your thing is. You can actually retrain dopamine, but not until you understand yourself. Carly, you clearly have a strong mindset. <laughs> but w- w- was there any times where you had setbacks? And if you did, how did you overcome them? Um, don't get me wrong. I've had setbacks in my entire life from any, you know, there's loads of things. But 
I, I don't know, but maybe it does come from my childhood because mm. I had a pretty strict um, upbringing with my family, not just to do with the food. I had a very, very strict mm. father. Um, I, I grew up in probably a very unconventional family. Like I wasn't happy families, all of that. So I think from a young age, I had to have a strong mindset and a strong will and almost a strong imagination to pull myself out of maybe dark places or unhappy places as a child. Um, and growing up, I continued that mindset into my teenage years and, and I've never had fear of anything. I almost like, you know, that stupid saying, like, look fear in the face. I kind of feel like I do that. Like anything that comes at me, I'm like, bring it on. Yes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't actually know where sometimes I, I, I sort of <laughs> wonder to myself, where did I get this confidence or this fear, you know, fear obsession with in a way to tackle everything that life throws at me. Um, but I think as a young child, I saw a lot of things in my life or I dealt with, you know, people dying at a young age, lots of friends. And I feel like I just appreciated life. I went in thinking, wow, life's too short or we, we never know when your time's up, make the most of your life. And I think my strength and my mindset comes from some things like that, that I'm a big believer in. We have one life to live. Like I was saying, you have one body. Um, look at the last year of COVID and the pandemic and you just never know what's going to happen in life. So I get up every day with gratitude, with, you know, thankfulness, with, with faith in a way that whatever you put your mind to or whatever you set out mm. to do, you have the ability. Um, and I kind of live my life in that way. And I, I think it, it definitely comes from my childhood or from um, like tenacity and courage that I've had to fight everything. You know, if people tell me no or say you can't do that. I don't really take no for an answer. I'm like, no, I, I can do that. <laughs> so I think you have to have a lot of self-belief. Um, at the end of the day, we have so much belief in our friends, in our family. We encourage them to go after what they want. But why in society do we not encourage ourselves enough? Um, we're never taught that as a child. We're never taught, believe in yourself. Mm. You can do anything, you know. You have to almost find that courage yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I think as I've got older, I've realized we can do anything. Or, you know, I, I've traveled a lot. I've, if I get an idea in my head, I go for it. I can't help it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I left Australia at 24 with one bag of clothes and I, and I arrived in mm. the UK with a hundred pounds to my name after traveling 25 countries in seven months. Like that's my mind that <laughs> go for it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite a big believer in people need to, I, everyone wakes up and finds their calling in life at a different time. But if you start to get a gut instinct or, a sort of a, a mind, you know, like you start to see something or visualize it, go after that. That's not a random thought. That's you trying to tell your body to go for something, to, to you know, listen to your mind in a way, which I don't think enough yeah. people do. There is a lot of information out there. So currently, I think what I'm seeing is there's a lot of talk about the gut and the microbiomes in your gut and, you know, the significance of that. Um, prior to that was the keto diet. Prior to that was veganism. Prior to that was being on a low carb diet. So for somebody in 2021 who's trying to lose weight, <laughs> where on earth do they start? <laughs> So they should start with buying my book. Here we go. That's a great start. <laughs> because I never did a diet. I hate the word diet. 
diet means try something for three or four weeks and fail. That's my idea of a diet. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. I have tried certain food groups. So I have, I, I hate the word vegan. I think it gets put into a bandwagon or a category. I, I tend to say I'm 70 to 80% plant-based. I do eat some meat and animal products. Um, I'm not a big fan of just doing keto or just doing Atkins or just doing mm. paleo because I don't feel their lifestyle sustainable. Um, you can adapt some of the traits of these diets. Yep. But at the end of the day, all of these diets work because they are a calorie defi- deficiency. It doesn't matter if you do Weight Watchers, Slimming World, or was whatever I would recommend, never do a low-calorie diet because you'll end up putting on all the weight you lost. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you are in a calorie deficit to your exercise and what exercise you output, you will lose weight. So weight loss is not rocket science. And I always say this. People always say, what's your secret? I'm like, nothing. There is no secret to this. Um, at the end of the day, weight loss concept is easy. Doing it is the hard bit. And that's why I say if, if it was so easy, the whole world would be slim or whatever, you know, is normal these days. Um, so I don't feel people should jump on a diet. They need to focus on changing their lifestyle and addressing all the things we've talked about, addressing your bad habits. Why are you overweight? Why are you unhealthy? Do you exercise enough? What are you eating? What are you drinking? Are you sleeping enough? Are you happy? Are you, you know, like all these little things contributed to me changing my life and my health. And like I said, I never wanted to lose weight because I thought I couldn't. But within one or two months into my journey of practicing a healthy lifestyle, of getting up and being active each day, of consciously taking better care of my health, taking better care of my mindset, doing little things for myself, that the weight loss came with it. So I would say to people, stop focusing on a diet and focus on yourself. Focus on loving yourself, loving the body that you're in, no matter the size. Because you have to love yourself enough to want to change to get healthy. At, at the end of the day, we spend every second of our life with ourselves. We'll never know anyone like we know ourselves. You're your own best friend, your own lover. You know, treat yourself like that. Um, so I'm a big believer in changing your lifestyle in moderation. I still eat carbs every day of my life. I've still ate fruit every day of my life. I'll have chocolate if I want chocolate. But it's about making healthier choices when it comes to these things. Um, You know, making a lot more food at home yourself, knowing what ingredients are in things. If you want a lasagna for dinner, make it yourself. Don't have a store-bought one. I guarantee you'll have half the calories. Um, You know, if you want cake, have cake. But this is the only time where I jump on the vegan bandwagon. A lot of vegan or plant-based treats are better for you than buying a cake at Costa or Starbucks with your morning coffee. Make your own. Mm. So a, a lot of my clients, they say, oh, Carly, I love having muffins. I'm like, have a muffin, but make it yourself. I guarantee it's better for you. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, that saying, don't work, you know, work hard, you know, work smart, not hard kind of thing or whatever it is. It's the same thing with your body and your life. It's, yeah. it's not difficult. People overcomplicate getting healthy. They overcomplicate the mindset. They think they have to run a marathon overnight. Um, you know, at the end of the day, find something you love as an activity. And we go back again to childhood. What, what activity did you guys do as a child that did not feel like exercise, you know? Was it playing with your friends? Was it skipping? Was it football? 
do that as an mm-hmm. adult. If you love dancing as a child, go dancing as an adult. And I guarantee that won't feel like exercise, but you'll burn more calories than you would whinging about going to the gym. Um, mm. So I, I really feel like people overcomplicate the healthy lifestyle. And it's a lot to do with all these things you just mentioned, Nathan, about these diets, media, jumping on these bandwagons, body mm. confidence, you know, all this stuff. I feel like people love trends. They love marketing of products. They love diet shakes and all this stuff that doesn't work but if you just cut all that out go back to basics go back to what you love doing as a child and literally taking better care of what you're putting in your body um taking better care of yourself loving yourself a little bit more um i guarantee people would get results without even thinking about the weight loss so you mentioned going back to um what you loved as a child so what what sports do you play now um, so I, I actually do love the gym. Yeah. Um, and when I was a teenager, I did rowing and we used to have to be in the gym a lot. They taught us about weights and things like that. Yeah. And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, so I do love the gym to this day. Um, I love anything to do with swimming still. And I loved that as a child. I even randomly go stand up paddle boarding on the River Thames in <laughs> yeah. London. And I don't care if people are like, what the hell is this girl doing? I'm that like, day, you, that you, <laughs> you, can't take the, you can't take the Aussie out of the girl. Like, the, the Aussie girl is here. Um, but no, I don't do it too close to Central because it is, it is grotty. I do, yeah. it, I do it out in Surrey and it's okay. really nice. Um, but anything to do with being active, like um, growing up, I was, I know people say F1 and cars are not really a sport, but growing up, I actually used to go street racing a lot. Like I was oh, wow. fully, I was fully into cars. I wow. lost my license street racing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was crazy. Like it's all in my book. Read my book. Mm. I was, I was crazy as a child. Yeah. Um, but anything like adrenaline, fast moving sports, um, like I love basketball, um, I love like yeah anything I'll give a go at like mm-hmm. random activities I just love being active I love having fun I like making the most of my life and for me that is an exercise and activity anything where you're not sitting your butt on the couch watching tv if you are up and moving your body and burning calories that is good you know you yeah. don't have to be in the gym for two hours a day or you know running 10 kilometers every day because your friend wants to do a marathon um you know, if you like, <laughs> I don't know, if you like going bowling, go bowling more. That's burning calories. Um, and this is what I say about people overcomplicating things. Um, my, my theory in life and what I go back to is the thought I had the morning I woke up feeling paralyzed. Move your body. Um, and I say it all the time mm. to people and I, I don't think people get the concept. Like, just move, move. I don't care how you move, you know, jump around in front of your TV if you have to. Um, but wherever you can to move, to get active, um, go back to those things that you enjoy that doesn't feel like a chore and you'll crave to do it again. Like, I don't know if you guys have a favorite sport or something active that you like doing. That's not a normal gym or like what's normally not counted as exercise, but I bet when you do it, you don't feel like it's a chore or, oh, you have to do this today. Yeah. Yeah, I I say, I say this to Nathan all the time because (laughs) I am not a fan of the gym anymore. I used to be, but I'm not as I've got older. And I like playing tennis. I like playing yeah. football. And I feel like I'm not exercising when I'm doing those things. It's, it's like I love, I love playing top golf or pool or bowling. Yeah. And it's like when you, yeah. when you do them, you actually burn yeah. a hell of a lot of calories. But you're yeah. not, you don't think of it like that. So yeah. for me, I say live an active lifestyle. Live a healthy lifestyle. Eat well. Take care of yourself. And 
without even thinking the weight comes with it. Like I've never tracked my calories in my life and I lost 140 pounds. Like I don't use these apps and macros mm. and micros and all of that. I know yeah. roughly what calories I eat in a day. Like I do have a rough idea because when you want to achieve a goal, you have to track it. Yeah. Um, and I do, I am aware of what yeah. I burn in a day just through having an Apple watch, but I only got that six yeah. months ago. So through my entire okay. weight loss journey, mm. I did not track really what I was burning or what I was eating. I was, mm. sub, I was aware to an average um, okay. I did weigh myself and stuff like that to be on track, but it's not always about being so pedantic with every little calorie and every little bit of exercise. And I think this is where I was saying people overcomplicate yeah. it. People go wrong with exercise and weight loss and they forget about taking care of the mentality and living like, but don't forget to live. Like mm -hmm. Outside of diet, when people reach their goals, what are the common reasons why they put the weight back on? Um, so again, I talk about this in my book and this is why it took me so long to write my book. I could have stopped at the two year mark in 2006 when I lost mm -hmm. the weight. Um, but I chose to keep writing my book to talk about the maintenance side of things. Um, and because a lot of people think weight loss and living healthy has a finish line. So they get to their goal and they say, oh, look, let's go out and celebrate. Let's go out and have a meal, have a piece of cake. And I'm like, I'm not a puppy. Don't reward me with food. You know, um, all these people get to a goal and they think that's it. They don't have to do anything anymore. People forget that living healthy is for your life. Um, and people used to say to me, oh, Carly, when are you going to stop this? And I said, oh, <laughs> the day I die, <laughs> you know, um, and I'd say it with a big smile on my face, too, because I'm like the ignorance sometimes of people thinking you can just stop and it will all just stay there. You have to work on yourself. And especially as we get older and the body changes and the hormones and our metabolism, you have to be aware of that and keep taking care of yourself. So um, I actually say in my book, when I got to my goal, I was like, oh is this it? Like I was like, there was, I actually thought I'd have a big woo yay moment. And I didn't, I got to the goal. And I was like, Oh, okay. What's next. Um, and I, I did do something significant to mark the occasion of losing the weight and it wasn't going out for food. I went back to Dubai and I skydived because I couldn't do it for my 28th <laughs> birthday. Cause they told me I was too big. Wow. Um, so for mm, me, wow. I decided to mark it with a memory. And to this day, I still get goosebumps when I think of that skydive because it was so significant for me. Um, so when I got to my goal, I did that. And then I came home and I kept going. Um, and like you said, Nathan, a lot of people put all the weight back on or a lot of people forget. Um, yeah. But you can't just stop. You have to keep taking care of yourself. And I think maintenance is the hardest bit. Um, I think there's like a statistic of people that lose a mass amount of weight. Only about 5% of people actually keep it off. And it's because they get there and they go, ta-da, it's done. Yeah. And they don't do anything to maintain mm. it. Um, maintenance is hard. And I, would, um, I think you asked me before about setbacks and things like that. And I think probably maintenance is the bit where setbacks can really happen. Um, you get to your goal and then you lose it and you lose the motivation to keep going because you think, oh, why should I, why should I do mm. this? But you have to remember why you did it in the first place and how great you felt losing it. And if you went back, look at all that time and that effort and that energy you've wasted. Um, 
So reminding yourself of how good this healthy lifestyle is to you now, why it's so good to maintain it as we get older, as our health deteriorates, as our body changes, that's when you really need to take care of yourself. Um, so I would say to people with maintenance, don't be too hard on yourself, but don't lose all the work you've done. Like keep up that healthy lifestyle because how disappointed would you be if you went back? Like imagine if I went back mm. to 280 pounds, everything I've done, everything I've achieved, I know how shit I would feel. Um, so mm. I just mm. remember mm. thinking how great I felt. I can't remember being that size now. I can't remember how I used to feel. But I know how I feel now and how much this life means to me. Um, so I think maintenance is something, again, you have to stop. You have to reevaluate. You have to reassess your goals and remember why you're doing this and that it is for your life. It's, it's not just for a year or for two years or for a wedding or you want to get fit for your 30th or your 40th. You know, this is something that it could affect your life and you'll never know it. You might, you might have missed a heart attack. Yeah. You might have missed yeah. having diabetes. You might have missed you know, bad knees or whatever it is. And you'll never know how much you saved your life. Um, so I think that's something to remember that be, live as healthy as you can for your lifetime and don't compare it to anyone else's. Definitely. So you lost weight. What, what was your family's reaction when they saw you? And <laughs> did it motivate any of them? Um, no. So me and my family have a really strange dynamic. Mm. and. My family, being in Australia, had not seen me since 2012, and I was very overweight in 2012. I started losing the weight in 2014, and that year I chose to meet my mum in America for her 60th as like a present for her. So I felt great like I'd lost all this weight. I hadn't completed the journey yet. I'd lost, I think, 30 or 40 kilos. But to my mum, she was like, oh, Oh, you look the same. <laughs> and I was like, you bitch. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, but in my eyes, she hadn't seen me since 2012. So she yeah. thought I just looked big still. Oh, okay. um, because I'd put on so much weight yeah. since she'd seen me. What I'd lost was pretty much what I was in 2012. <laughs> so she, she didn't really get it. But then later on in 2015, I had a massive news article come out in Australia on the front page of the Daily Mail, and I didn't know it was coming out. They'd found yeah. my story and they'd run it. Okay. And I, had, I was like, does Australia wow. seriously not have a bigger, a bigger news story to talk about than some <laughs> fat girl losing weight? Like, I was in shock, but I woke up to a million <laughs> missed calls, and I thought someone had died because of the time mm -hmm. zone difference. Yeah. I woke up to like all these missed calls from my mom. I called her back. I was like, oh my God, what's happened? Someone's died. She's like, oh my God, you're on the front page of the Daily Mail. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I, like, I swear on this podcast, but I was like, what the hell? And I finally opened up the Daily Mail and saw it. And I was in absolute shock. And that's when I think she realized she was like, oh my God, Carly's doing something. Like, because I worked in recruitment back then. Like I was just a okay. recruiter in the UK, traveling the world. You know, my mom's thinking, oh, my daughter's left. She's never coming back. <laughs> mom <laughs> didn't really realize what I was doing. Um, and they, they haven't really changed. My family's always been them. They, they love having a nice glass of wine. They love food. They, you know, they, they, they walk and do their little bits of exercise. But um, 
they'll never change, I don't mm. think, who they are or what they do. I was significantly mm. a lot bigger than my family. Like when I say my family was big, I was a beast compared to them. They weren't as bad as me. Um, okay. But now my mom realizes what I've done. Um, and like, I think she doesn't do social media or any of this stuff. And one day someone showed her my Instagram. And, and she was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, my mom is, my mom is, my mom doesn't even know what WhatsApp is. She's like, oh, my God, what is this app? Like, um, and so, yeah, I think, and then, like, I had another article go out in a paper in Australia and, like, someone showed her. She doesn't really understand the concept of Instagram or social media, um, but she knows I've written a book. She knows I've done all this stuff now. Um, I share parts of it with her, but I don't think she'll ever yeah. really understand like what I've done. Like she does get it. I think she's proud. Um, but my mom is so old school that like, I think not until like, I was like, if I, if I, ro- if I rocked up on a TV program in Australia <laughs> or something, she'd be like, Oh my God, that's my daughter. <laughs> um, but like, she's, she's just so old school. She doesn't get it. So, but I kind of like that in a way, like, I don't have to deal with much in terms of like criticism or parents going, why are you putting that on the internet or anything? <laughs> They'll never yeah. see what I put on the internet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I'm pretty sure she is, she is proud. She's happy for me doing my thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think she'll really understand, understand the concept of it. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this time and time again. Being healthy is expensive. How do you respond to that? I would say, hell, it is not because I was never a rich woman. I'm still not a rich woman. I'm waiting for the day. (laughs) But I think living healthy is actually a lot cheaper. Um, I think buying your own foods, like I probably spend maybe in a week 40 pounds on groceries. Um, And I I spend like do a lot of like recipe creation and and stuff as well. So that's probably even more food than I need. I don't eat out a lot though. Like I've never been a takeaway person. Even when I was big, mm-hmm. surprisingly, I actually don't really like takeaway. If I want Indian food, I make it myself. If I want pizza, I make it myself. If I want a burger, I make it myself. So I find when I talk to clients or people and they spend 20, 30 pounds on food, I'm thinking that's like over a hundred pounds a week. I literally probably spend about 40 pounds a week maybe not even that on grocery like I I do online grocery shopping every fortnight and maybe that's 75 pounds maybe I buy a couple of things from the supermarket after the gym someday um so let's say I spend 150 pounds or something a month on food maybe eat out once a month if that maybe once every second month um so eating healthy is when you're making food yourself it is not expensive maybe if you're going to shop at all these bloody posh whole food supermarket not expensive and stuff <laughs> maybe maybe yeah it is expensive because <laughs> they're a ripoff but um when you think smart like i said before creating only buying the foods you need don't buy temptations buy what you need to create stuff at home make your make your own cakes make your own treats i guarantee you will save money and i do this a lot with my clients as their goal when they have a weight loss goal i ask them to think of a non weight loss goal And it is usually to put aside all the money that they would spend on weight loss goal. And it is usually to put aside all the money that they would spend on fast food or takeaway or anything. And I guarantee they will have some of my clients would have over eight grand at the end of the year. Mm. And I ask them to use that to spend on themselves. I ask them to buy a new wardrobe or to take themselves on a beach holiday. Um, And when you think of it like that, you're like, 
shit, eating bad is expensive. Healthy is not expensive. Um, we think it's so much, it's so much easier for people to say, oh, I'll go on, I'll go on a weekend out with the girls and drink and you spend 50 pounds on cocktails, 50 pounds on Ubers, whatever it might be. If, if you add all that up over time, it's not just the money you're spending on the alcohol, it's the time out you're taking out of your sleep, out of your health, the drinks you're putting in your body, you know, the money you're spending on Ubers or travel or whatever. And a fun lifestyle can be great, but a fun lifestyle is expensive. Eating healthy is not. It's everything else that comes with when people think eating healthy is expensive. It's no, it's in, in comparison to the other things you spend in your life, it isn't. It's, it, it just, it, it really gets me when people say that or people say, oh, I, you're lucky, Carly, because yeah. you must make money or something off this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I lost four stone mm. at home in my lounge room before I ever joined the gym. So don't tell me you don't have money for a gym membership. There's a great outdoors out that we've all just had yeah, to love 100%. over COVID. Go and use it. Um, I, like I said, I lost four stone at home in my lounge room watching mm. trashed <laughs> reality TV. That's what kept me doing cardio or little yeah. weights that I brought off eBay or going walking. Um, so think outside the box. Stop giving every. I, f- I find people say living healthy is expensive because it's an excuse that makes them feel better about not doing it. That, oh, well, you know, McDonald's is cheaper. You know, go, go buy a piece of chicken. That's, oh, well, cheaper than yeah. a, a cheeseburger, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I feel like people make excuses when they don't want to do something because it makes them feel better about it. Describe in three words what are the most important things you think someone needs in the mind to be successful if they're going through the same type of journey that you went through. You have to have self-acceptance. And when I say that, I mean accepting everything that you are, everything that you've been, and everything that you can be if you let yourself. Um, so self-acceptance, um, I would say with that, you have to put yourself as number one. And when I say that, I mean that with the greatest of self-love. Self-love does not mean you can't love anyone else. Self-love means you love yourself just as much or if not more than others. So massive thing on like self-acceptance, self-critique, all of that, self-love. Um, I, would, I would have to say you, you, you need a, a, an ounce of like badass like determination in there because at, at the end of the day, you have to go for it and you have to give yourself a kick. Mm. Um, so yeah. with, with those things, I believe if I give, have them, like my willpower and determination it is up there. But I, I had to teach it. I had yeah. to use it. We're all born with willpower. We just need to use how, like learn how to use it. Um, so, yeah, I would say massively yeah. self-acceptance, who you were, who you can become, self-love, um, and, yeah, a bit of determination in there never goes astray. Okay, my last question is, <laughs> mm, so. You've already got a book and you've got a title to it, so you cannot use this. <laughs> All right. So my question to you is, if your journey was to be put um, into a Hollywood movie, what would be the title of that movie and who would, who would play you? Yeah, who would play your role? Um, I'd have to, if I couldn't play myself, I'm very big on like, no one can play me. <laughs> 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 um, but if not I like well I just that. think like I, I'm, I've always said I'd never make a good actor I'd start because I'm me I, I'm me at the end of the day I can't be anyone else I can't act um, but if I had to yeah. choose someone to be me it might be Margot Robbie since she's Aussie and blondies um, 
And I think I can't use my book title. I, I'd probably use something like All the Way with Carly J. Yeah. That, that sounds That's like nice. it will work. <laughs> it's not like I've already thought about this. Or <laughs> I may have something in the works. I'm just saying. Mm. No. Um, I've always thought about doing mm. like a TV show or something to do with like documenting more of my story. Um, but okay. yeah, there's lot there's lots of things I want to do, and I think I think when you get yourself right, you get your life in check. You start to get ideas of all this stuff you want to yeah. do. And yeah. it starts with your mindset and taking care of yourself um, and, and going after what you want in life. I'm just a big believer in that. Absolutely. Carly, that was a really, really, really good interview. I loved it. It was so, <laughs> so, so good. Um, it was really rich in information. Um, just tell the listeners about your book and where they can get your book and how they can get in contact with you as well. Yes. So my book is called Half the Size But Twice the Life. Um, you can pretty much find it anywhere in the world right now um, about 50 countries have it if you just search it online or search my name carly j um, most book retailers have it online if not amazon always has it you can find me from my website www.misscarlyj.com or the same on youtube insta snap miss carly j um but yeah if anyone if anyone has any questions or needs any help i do do health and life coaching and life advice um but yeah hit me up Brilliant. Brilliant. That was excellent. I loved it. Every <laughs> second you. of it. And I'm sure the listeners will. Yeah, that was brilliant. Right, guys. Um, one action packed show. If you are a new listener, as always, um, we like to say welcome aboard. If you are a regular listener, thank you and continue to share. Until next time, guys, stay safe, stay blessed. And nah. I was going to add something else, Ed, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, no, now I want to know what it is. <laughs> no, I'm always trying to do something different, but no, we'll just leave it at that. Stay safe, stay blessed, guys. <laughs> <laughs>